0: Show,
1: author of *Wicked Fox* and *Vicious Spirits*, and I'm Clarabel Artega, author of *Ghost Squad* and *Witchlings*. And this is right or, die. Woo! *Right or Die*. Woo!
0: I don't know why I said it like that. Like we're in a spooky season. We're right always. It's, it's always spooky season. That is in the cho- in the Chorteka household. It is always spooky season. That's our. That's our couple
1: name. <laughs> Wait, I shouldn't say that. Don't, because people already get too fast and loose with uh, with shipping authors and real life people. Don't do that. It's inappropriate.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway, no, I'm a little bit loopy today, but it's fine. I feel like <sighs> it's interesting. 2021 has already been super interesting because my deadlines are like uh, you know continuously shifting they're like a living entity now (laughs) yeah um it's and it's not just me asking for deadline extensions even though i am very actively utilizing the deadline extension requests whenever i need it i'm like i deserve this (laughs) um but it's also because like Sometimes like I'll have an editor or whatever being like, okay, so this thing happens. So I actually don't even need it for until this or like, oh, we have this new thing that came up. So can you send it a couple weeks early or whatever? And so I literally, I have this post-it note that I have on my desk, which I wrote down all my deadlines for the next three months because I just want to be able to look at it and see it on a piece of paper mm-hmm. every day. And I've crossed it out and rewritten new deadlines like multiple times already,
1: um, since I wrote this post it like a month ago. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. yeah, deadlines really are like a never-ending thing. Like I keep saying, like when I'm off deadline, but that's Ugh. a lie. It's a
0: it's a it's a blatant lie. And any author who tells you I li- that they're going to be off deadline is lying. I to literally you. can't
1: <laughs> see any time in the in the next few months like for the rest of the year where I won't technically be on deadline for something and that's wild and that's what you call being an author
0: volume 27 (laughs) it's a good problem to have but it is still a problem
1: yeah I mean yeah yeah, of course more money more problems you know like you (laughs) you you got deadlines that means you have projects that's great but it also means you have deadlines and like people waiting for your stuff and it can't suck too badly. And then you get notes <laughs> and there's, there's a whole host of stuff, but um, so how do you, how do you juggle? Cause I know for you, like you have ADHD. So like that uh-huh. is a whole new layer of like being <laughs> organized and, and, And everything like that so so how do you how do you like keep on track and and uh, make sure that you're you know you're keeping on top of stuff
0: honestly it's very interesting for me because I got officially diagnosed with ADHD after I became a published author um, which I know is it it was just like it was it made me have to reassess like, the practices that I had put in place in order to cope with certain things that I felt were, like, quote-unquote problems I had um, in order to be able to, like, meet deadlines and stuff like that. So there's, like, the pre-diagnosis and the post-diagnosis parts of my life, right? And mm-hmm.
1: so
0: pre-diagnosis parts of my life, I was very convinced I just had bad habits. I was convinced I was lazy. I was convinced that I had, like, it's actually weirdly triggering to me, it's, and I know now why, but it always really triggered me when people said that I was rude because I wasn't paying attention. Mm. And it would I would get so upset because the idea of being rude, like rudeness was so unacceptable in my household. Like you do, you are not rude to people. You're not rude to your elders. You're not rude to guests, whatever, right? And so the idea that I was being rude in moments where I wasn't aware I was being rude and I didn't feel like I had control over my behavior was really upsetting to me. And I would have like really extreme reactions to it. Whereas now I realize that, you know, not being able to pay attention, obviously, is because of the ADHD. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but yeah, there was a lot of stuff that like I really beat myself up about um, growing up. And then getting diagnosed was like a double edged sword, right? Because it was like, well, on one side of it, I was kind of like, oh thank god I finally know yeah. why all of this is happening and I can like build you know better life habits in order to address these things that, that will actually be effective because I'm actually addressing the true issue which is my ADHD or I, I hate calling it an issue but you know what I'm saying right mm. um, but I also felt like really depressed like I had lost a big chunk of my life because, what could I have done better, or what could I have experienced better, or what could I have forgiven myself for, mm-hmm. if I knew I had ADHD earlier?
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And so my relationship with my ADHD is really complicated. It's like being in a really messy relationship, <laughs> where like we both, where I'm like trying to acknowledge the other person, but the other person has hurt me, <laughs> and, but I still like know that i need it in my life or it's part of my life or whatever you know um so sorry i went off on a weird tangent about this it's okay (laughs) but um this is all to explain that i'm relearning how to be an author with adhd Mm. which is different than the author i was three years ago right yeah the author i was three years ago was just an author who like it was hard for me to hit deadlines and to focus, but now I'm an author with ADHD. And specifically with deadlines, I think for me it's it's not so much like I feel overwhelmed by them or anything. It's just that I my practice when I look at them is to be like I need to give myself permission to treat deadlines as, um a suggestion for lack of a better word like i'm allowed to ask to shift my deadlines which i think is something that every author should embrace yeah (laughs) uh, i know i know i know
1: (laughs) i knew you were gonna say something right away i'm trying i am trying i i am asking for more time i feel so irresponsible though like in the same way that, like, you, I guess, like, that, like, sort of, like, button being pushed of, like, feeling like you're the this thing that you really try not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard to, like, overcome that feeling. Um, but I am doing it. Like, um, shout out to Natasha Diaz, who also yelled at me about this. <laughs> and she was like, wearing a panini. <laughs>
0: in this economy
1: (laughs) she's like (laughs) carabelle
0: i but i i mean yeah so like i feel like when people hear like oh you have adhd their first thing is like oh is it hard for you to meet deadlines and it's not wrong for people to ask about that because Mm -hmm. deadlines are harder for me to meet um in terms of like they off they can they can overwhelm me and i do often have trouble starting tasks um, which is for me it's it's that's one of the biggest symptoms of my ADHD yeah. is the wall that I have to get that I have to get over in order to even start a task no matter how small or trivial the task may seem yeah um, and so it's it's like it's just like relearning a lot of things that I never knew was the reason why I I can or cannot do certain things Um, like I always had to sit down at my desk and spend like three hours fucking around at my desk before I could write one word oh my god it's it's just and the thing is I will sit down at my desk I'm it's, laughing I, I will sit down at my I desk at like nine the in the morning
1: I, I'm laughing because I do the same thing not because it's okay funny. I'm laughing because <laughs> that's me like that's literally me like I, I I'm like that these are my warm-up hours <laughs> mm-hmm
0: for sure. And I used to like explain it away to be like, I'm not a morning person, or like, I have to get my admin tasks out of the way. Cause those are the things I end up doing. Like, I'll answer emails and I'll just do things that like mean nothing and have low stakes. <laughs> or I'll like check in with my critique partners. Oh, here's my daily check in with you guys. How are you doing? Or I'll like write out all of my tasks on my bullet journal, even though I already have it written out on my like, you know, elect- on my calendar on my Google.
1: Yeah, calendar. it has to be in, like, more than one place, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just,
0: like, things, tasks that look like a waste of time to an outside eye. But for me, it's my brain starting to be able to just process what it needs to process in order to focus on writing. And it's really good because I've been able to forgive myself for that. And the biggest thing that's come out of that is that I don't have the... um this bad aftertaste of guilt that I used to always have. Mm. Um, I would get things done, but then I would crash afterwards and be like, why did it take so long for me to get it done though? Why did it take so long for me to start? Once I started, it literally only took me two hours. Why couldn't I have done it earlier mm-hmm. in the day? Yeah. And it just like, it really, um, it really affected uh, my anxiety, which I also, um, you know, was diagnosed with, I was diagnosed with anxiety Fairly early in life, though. Um, and, you know, and my diagnosed depression and stuff like that, which I think it's interesting because I, I do think that especially in um, female, non-binary, non-cis male people, um, we have a lot of MIs that coexist with our, uh, any neurodiver- neurodivergence we might have um that comes from growing up with a lot of microaggressions and trauma and it like affects how we process our neurodivergence and how we process our MIs mm-hmm. I'm sorry if sorry for people who don't know what I mean by MIs I'm, I'm talking about like mental illness mm-hmm. um and so that was also a thing I had to uh I had to figure out for me personally
1: it's a lot it's like a you had to relearn, like you said, how to be an author, like, all over again with all these new, this new information that you had about, like, why your brain worked the way that it did, you know? hmm hmm But, um, it's good to talk about these things, I think, because, like, there are a lot of people in publishing, writers, like, editors, agents, who deal with ADHD, and, like, they work differently, and we have to sort of see that and learn about those um, those different ways of working and, and try to work together and figure out good systems for everybody.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I also just really think that there's certain things. I mean, I, I think that even if someone doesn't have a neurodivergence or an MI, that it's unfair to like have like a standard of practice um, in terms of how you expect people to write or to be productive
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and I have seen people say stuff like hey like don't give advice like in order to be a writer you have to like sit down at your desk and write every day because it just it'll make some some people will Will be like that's great for me some people will be like No nah, I don't want to do that and some people will literally Spiral because they know that they Are incapable of doing that mm-hmm. and then they'll think They're a failure before they even try Right and so um, And I agree and And it doesn't need to be that they can't do it because They have their ND or they have an MI it, it could literally just be like that's Just not how they do it um, And I Just think it's really important for us to Acknowledge everyone's individuality and everyone's individual practices and i think it'll make us a much healthier community absolutely and group of people
1: those kinds of um, rules are bullshit anyway mm-hmm.
0: i feel like they're rules that you give because you feel like you have to you're like well how can we exist without rules so let's just make up these
1: bs ones right and i think that <laughs> those rules are for the very brand new people who don't it's basically like trying to scare a toddler like by telling them the boogeyman's going to get them if they try to leave the house by themselves in the middle of the night. I don't know. Is that what you do mm-hmm. with kids? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bell. You know, those like cautionary, Not <laughs>
1: those cautionary tales that you tell children that like are sort of like um, stretching the truth in order to make them comply. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that, but for adults who are new writers, it's like you have to take this seriously type of thing mm-hmm, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm already here. I am taking this seriously. Me not writing every day doesn't mean I'm not taking it seriously. You know what I mean? Uh Um, I think that's sort of where it stems from. And it's just become like the generic advice that people give. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. Yeah. Like, don't, you don't have to write every day at all. I go weeks without writing sometimes. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) And I, and I'm on deadline.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh my gosh um, No, yeah, it's very true And you know, actually something I recently found out Or like have been recently um, researching Because you know me, <laughs> you know how I how I be um, That is a symptom of my ADHD that I never knew When it comes to my author career Not my writing, but my author career Is um, rejection sensitive dysphoria Have you heard this before? Mm-mm So RSD is a symptom of ADHD. Um, It can often be much worse in adults than in kids because it worsens with, um, as you experience like trauma or as you experience like traumatic or stressful life situations. Um, And it pretty much means that you are really, really, really sensitive to the idea that you could be rejected. Um, and not just like, oh, you're, you are anticipating rejection because of X, Y, Z signs. It's like, you feel like you're going to be rejected even when there's no logical or rational sign that you will be rejected. And I was like, wait, why is this about me? Like I'm in this and I, I'm in this photo and I don't like it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just like thinking about the fact that many, many adults with ADHD have RSD and so many people that I know who are, uh, who are authors who have ADHD, uh, they talk a lot about like our fear of their fear of rejection and like how they spiral and all of this other stuff. And it's, I mean, it's so, so it can get so bad that like RSD is often misdiagnosed as like social phobia or bipolar disorder or borderline personality Mm. disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder. Like people who have RSD symptoms from ADHD get misdiagnosed all the time apparently because of how intense our like mental reaction is to the idea that we could be Rejected.
1: I hate that, and it makes me want to hug you because I didn't <laughs> know that, and that makes me worried. And <laughs> uh, no, I like I don't want you to ever feel like that, you know. And that's so that's so hard because there's so many different situations, mm-hmm. especially being an author mm-hmm. <laughs> where <laughs> rejection is everywhere, literally. Um. So yeah that's that's a lot to deal with,
0: gosh, it's so bad um and it just like really stinks because um especially RSD but also other symptoms of ADHD um, often get exacerbated by a lot of external stimulation and um your stress response pretty much <laughs> to these things um which book events are such a trigger <laughs> for for that and you know the one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to talk about this stuff more openly um, I don't know, know if anyone saw that I tweeted kind of recently about how I didn't know if I was comfortable yet discussing my ADHD but one of the reasons why I did really think it was important to speak of openly is because I feel very privileged to have a platform and I want people to know that you're not alone and I want writers and publishing people who have ADHD to know that like, you don't, you should never feel guilty, you know, for any of your coping mechanisms or, or the way you feel, or, you know, how you react to these situations and publishing Mm. that are actually kind of like tailor made (laughs) to trigger (laughs) our symptoms. Um, And I think that it's, I think that it's really fair for us to ask for some grace and ask for some understanding um and to take space for ourselves to try to like figure out what's best and what's healthiest for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think that's really true. And so many different people are dealing with things like that things that we don't know about and it's it's not easy. It's really not easy. Our lives are so hard. I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> it really isn't easy dealing with all these things and juggling all these things and having to, you know, find new ways to navigate our, our careers and situations.
0: And I also do want to say too, that like people, you, like, if you are going through this stuff and like, you do only truly just need one person mm-hmm. yeah, to be that so person true. for you.
1: It's so like, true.
0: I really hate the idea when we talk about like oh find your find your people or whatever like that we talk in we like default to talk in plurals Um, but in reality if you only have one person but they are a person that you know you can trust and you know you can depend on and vice versa and you know that you'll be there for them and they'll be there for you and they understand how you go through these things then I think that that is perfectly fine as a support system um, and if I only had Clarabelle then I think I would be fine in publishing because Clarabel knows all of my quirks. Mm. Yeah and <laughs> we understand
1: each other and we're a good balance like you have to find a person who balances out the things that you aren't necessarily good at handling like I'm a lot more level-headed when it comes to certain things and Cat's a lot more level-headed when it comes to other things so we're able to mm-hmm bounce off each other and like help each other w- during our weak moments you know mm-hmm. 100% yay for friendship <sighs> yay I love you <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right um, you should... just say it back I love you too <laughs> <laughs> This week's guest is Becky Albertalli. She is the author of William C. Morris Award winner and National Book Award longlist title Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which is now a major motion picture, Love, Simon. Also, the acclaimed The Upside of Unrequited and the New York Times bestsellers Leah on the Offbeat, What If It's Us, co-written with Adam Silvera, Human Tree, Yes, No, Maybe So, co-written with Aisha Saeed, and Love, Creekwood, a Simon vs. novella. Becky lives with her family in Atlanta.
1: Yay! Hello, Becky! Welcome! So happy to have you. Yes. How have you been? I, I feel like the last time I saw you was in Frankfurt, like, a billion years ago. Yeah, I mean, time is so fluid anyway, but, um, yeah, well,
2: first of all, I don't want to forget to say this, like... I'm a fan of the pie. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Of our, of our weird chaos,
2: y'all are amazing. Oh. Like, yeah, it, y- you know, especially like when it comes to, you know, some of the more like delicate kind of YA discourse <laughs> issues
1: and stuff. Like, y-
2: there yeah. are not too many like trustworthy
1: sources in. Oh. Oh, thank you, you know, so and- much for saying that. That
0: means a mm-hmm. lot. We ch- and we try to, like, speak on things in, like, as, like, informed a way as possible, if that's the right way to put it. Like, like I think the biggest thing is, like, when people shout out their opinion when they don't have all the information that they probably should have mm-hmm. before doing <laughs> that. <laughs> um but I, I, I feel like, I feel like Claribel and I have like been burned enough by like misinformation that we're like, nope, All we're not going to. the gonna time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it means it's, I'm honored that you like listen to Write or Die and that you like our podcast. It means a lot to me because we both love you. And yeah. I always talk about this, but Becky is one of the first people to like be nice to me in publishing, which Aww. is really funny because like. Like like to me, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Becky, and she's over there talking to Adam Silver," (laughs) and I was so nervous. But you guys were so nice to me, and this was like before I even started querying. So I always have like like a like a like a soft spot in my heart for for you because like not everybody is that way in publishing there's tons of nice people but it really means a lot when like you're just starting out and like authors who are already like in the industry are kind to you um because it makes you feel like you're welcome and that is a big deal
2: um first of all that's such a lovely thing to say um (laughs) Second of all, that's so funny, because, like, and I, you know, and of course, I could be, like, misremembering the timing of stuff, but it's so funny. In my recollection, you were that for me, like, because, you know, because I feel like I, you know, I kind of, like, jumped on even, like, Twitter um, after... Want to say like my book had already sold. I like fought it until the last second. Like hopped off. So, it was, like, <laughs> <laughs> so smart. So That's smart, the best. Honestly. So intimidating. And this like, this community seemed like really tight knit, and I didn't know if I had a place in it. And I like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like to me, like I remember you being kind of one of the early people who I felt like welcomed me. Oh uh, my heart. Into
1: the <laughs> I did not know that. That makes me feel so happy. Well, good. Um, we. We helped each other then. <laughs> New official I story.
2: <laughs> I
1: love it, it's Canon.
0: <laughs> oh. I I I like you both too. By the way. Like I I too like both of
1: you. <laughs> I don't have a fun story. Kat, you were with. We'll like, pretend no, you don't were don't
2: with like, me. I mean, my my cat introduction story is just the fact that like we must have a million mutual (laughs) friends because before I ever even interacted with you even online I had been hearing from like just how awesome you are from so many people that it was like like you were like famous to me like already like from the very beginning and I yeah and I feel like You know, the two of you are just, like, those people who everybody in the community appreciates. Oh, well, they fucking should, anyway. um, You know, like, it's just, like, y'all do a lot for the community, and I, like, hope people see it. I feel like people do, just based on, like, what I hear.
1: Thank Aww, you. That's so great to hear. It is so yeah, nice. Definitely. Now we're both um, going to have big heads about all this. So yeah. way <laughs> to go. Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, we, Um, first of all, I do want to warn you, we do have some listener questions that we are going to pepper in because our wordies were quite excited when they heard that you were going to be on
1: the podcast. Why are you warning her? They're not like scary questions. They're not scary. <laughs> I'm.
0: I guess I'm just saying that like it's, that the theme of the episode is going to be We Love Becky. Um, I, I think that theme, that is a really <laughs> nice theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, and we're also kind of like going to go a little bit off our normal template. Usually we ask people like, how'd you get your agent and your book deals and stuff like that. But we love the fact that we got you on the podcast because you have been in the industry for a little bit longer. And you've experienced some things that are cool and interesting and different that we'd love to touch upon. So I would love to just fast forward and like immediately just ask you, um, you know, your last couple of books that you wrote before your most recent novel that's coming out um, were co-written. And one of our listener questions was asking how your co-writing process was after writing alone And did your co-writing process change a lot depending on who you're writing with? Or did you come up with like a way that just worked for you and you did it with both Adam and Aisha?
2: That is actually a fantastic question because it's one that I don't think I would have been able to answer until I was on the other side of it. Um, you know, I very much discovered that process along the way. Um, I love co-writing it. You know, to me, uh, first of all, it takes um, a lot of the anxiety of it out for me, especially, you know, on my mind as I approach launching a new solo book. I'm just like, oh, it's just me up there now. Like, (laughs) I, I, I'm not sure I like that anymore, you know? um, (laughs) Yeah. So there's like um, just something so wonderful about having, you know, a friend just going through every single part of it, like from, you know, the moment, like, when you're opening your edit letter and you're, like, a little bit nervous about what it's going to say, like, it is less bad when somebody is opening that letter with you and then all the way to, like, you know, when you did not have time to eat dinner before one of your events on tour and so you are, like, racing to get to an ice cream place before it closes because nothing else will do. <laughs> uh, like, I and I know a thing or two about that. Um, But... <laughs> Yeah, in terms of like the writing process, um, for me, it ended up being like very similar with Adam and Aisha, but it's not that that is like the way to co-write. It's more like Adam and I kind of fell into a process. And then I think probably just that being what I was used to, Aisha and I kind of ended up falling into the same pattern and it worked both times. Um, And so what that looked like generally was like, heavy collaboration on the front end, uh, with, you know, just a ton of, like, brainstorming together and, like, building ideas off of each other and developing, uh, the characters together and, you know, thinking through what some of the major, like, beats of the plot are going to be, and then, and then kind of working together and coming up with, I guess, I guess you would call it an outline. It's not, like, a formal outline, but, um, you know, just like kind of a chapter by chapter, like chapter one, this stuff happens, chapter two. And that was definitely, um, like I try to do that a lot with my solo books and it goes off the rails, but it was, you know, more important, I think to have that structure, even if we deviated from it sometimes, which we certainly did, but like to have that structure in place for the collaboration so we could kind of stay on track with each other. Um, And luckily it, did not go off the rails as much because I happen to have written with two people who are much
0: better plotters than I am. (laughs) Wait, so would you say you're more of a pantser? Um, I'm like an in-betweener,
2: I guess. Like I, I'm always trying to come up with plots, but it like really, I don't know. I, I mostly like buy a lot of notebooks and like, rewrite different variations on like outline kind of material and then um you know just avoid the document for a very long time um, (laughs) yeah I I'm I'm somewhat in between I guess what I mean is they're much better at plot than I am like I'm I'm just not good at coming up with
0: plots even and plotting out a story so Interesting it's actually what I find super interesting is hearing from an author what they think their weak points are Mm -hmm. when you've already like read their books and been a fan of their books Um, because I would never have said that you don't have like some of the best contemporary plots like Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda hit the perfect note for me in terms of like it both have like such a compelling hook But it, like, was a book that, like, went so deep into, like, the heart of certain things that I never expected. It, like, really surprised me with, like, how deeply it went into the friend relationships and how it, like, turned my expectations about what the family was going to do on its head. Um, And it even, like, it even made me like the blackmailer, which I was just like, how could you like this person? He's an awful person. And then you end up liking him, which is, like such a skill i believe <laughs> um so to hear you say that you don't think that like your strong point is plots was is very interesting to me
1: <laughs> that was such a like fancy Kirkus review that you just quickly yes, did right that's there. my starred review <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, like
0: for real though like that's like that is so lovely thank you <laughs> Well, you know, honestly, I do, because here's the thing is that I do honestly th- think that when people first start start out, and the reason why I'm talking about this specifically is because Simon is your debut, obviously, is that we tend to kind of, like, focus on, like, what we're like, okay, I can do character, and that's fine. I can do character, and I know that's like strong point, so let me just focus on that so I can break in, and then I can develop myself as a writer or whatever, or, but, like, I felt like Simon was very much like well well crafted in every angle now I feel like I'm just like fangirling at you Mm -hmm. I do not mean to make you feel embarrassed or anything or awkward no this
2: is just like this is
0: the nicest thing thank you so much
2: it's it's funny like it's excruciating really to like look back at my backlist I don't know if y'all have had that experience before laying. but like looking back at your backlist and feeling like, oh, I would have written this line differently. I would have written this line differently. Um, and so it um, it is really nice to hear that, especially from somebody who is, you know, not looking at it as like ungenerously (laughs) as I would be looking at my own backlist. I
1: I don't have a backlist because I only have one book and I just sort of like write stuff and then forget what I did. I think that's the best thing to do (laughs) because then you're not beating yourself up over
2: it. That is a good approach but like yeah no I mean even it's what's so interesting too is like by now even Kate and Waiting which isn't even out yet at the time of recording I'm like even that I wrote a while ago. Um, and yeah, I'm trying not to obsess too much over like the changes I would make because that is like really gut-wrenching to like feel that way about your book that's like introducing itself to the world, you know? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, I don't know, I feel like we're we're just like scratching the surface though of like my publishing neuroses, so. Um.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think it's pretty great for people authors especially people who are as established as you becky to kind of be honest with like listen i don't love how i do how i write such and such and it's just who i am and i'm human and we all have flaws because i think what especially for a lot of the people who listen to our pad- podcast our demographic we have found out actually skews really young
1: we say that every episode now <laughs> yeah we're like way too proud
0: of it um maybe i'll I'm cut that part sur- out i'm just surprised <laughs>
1: sorry that like
0: we're so we're so cool um (laughs) like it's um like a badge of coolness
2: too because like i like we all know like gen z are cooler than us and um yeah just whatever proximity like we have to their coolness is like just a total win
0: yes but we also kind of see our gen z listeners as like you know people that we want to take care of and like say like hey you know, if you have insecurities, that's totally fine, because so do mm-hmm. we. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, since you brought up Kate and Waiting, your upcoming book, do you mind giving everyone just like a quick pitch for it? Yeah, I would love to. I um,
2: see. I don't I feel like I don't have the like elevator pitch like pinned down quite yet. So this may be a little bit rambly and I apologize in advance, but it's It's about, basically, a pair of theater kid best friends um, named Kate and Anderson, and um, they, you know, part of their, um, like, maybe somewhat codependent friendship um, has always been having a fun, no stakes, like, no pressure kind of crush on the same guy and it's some guy from summer camp or just you know some guy they like barely know that there's no chance of either one of them successfully like hooking up with this person there's not really much of a chance of them successfully hooking up with anybody at least at (laughs) the start of the book like they have no game yeah it's sort of like if Naomi and Eli's no kiss list had been like about incompetent like teens who just don't even need a no-kiss list because the world is their no-kiss list. Like, mm-hmm. You know, and, like, the, you know, the identity of the guy, like, whoever the guy is, like, that's not the point at all for them. It is about, you know, just having the chance to talk about him and, like, just the intimacy of that. And, you know, just they... Bond over liking him. The guy himself is like beside the point. And then at the beginning of Caden Waiting, one of their guys, like this guy from camp named Matt, moves to their town, um, which is my town, uh, Russell, Georgia, and um, suddenly shows up at their high school and is like part of the theater scene there. And he kind of ends up becoming a part of their day-to-day lives turns out he's actually awesome and cool and they uh both
1: really like him for real Uh oh (laughs) dun 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 (laughs) (laughs) the
0: drama ensues (laughs)
1: um
0: i love that you know it's as you were as you were describing like the idea of like bonding over liking a unattainable person i was like oh my god i do this all the time like I feel well I think that's what fandom is right like being able to fan over an actor or a character in a book or a series You're um right and I've never made that connection <laughs> oh <laughs> well I was I very specifically in my mind thought of k-pop stars um and, and because like people love every, I love k-pop stars and like you know, the K-pop industry caters to that in that they'll, like, release whole profiles being, like, their favorite food and their favorite color. So you can really get to know them. But, like, you'll probably never, ever, ever meet them and you will definitely never date them. But that doesn't matter because what is great is that you have this group of people who also loves this person. <laughs> um, So that's what it made me think of.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's brilliant. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be sitting with that. That's, like... Yeah, that's such a great point of entry, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, honestly, it's, I feel like you do a really good job of taking some, something that it is is some something like we as nerds, <laughs> for lack of a better word, or teens or like outcasts or like anyone um, can find a way to belong, um, can find a place to belong when we like, maybe it's been hard for us in the past. Um, and like I feel like it, it it comes across as very much of like your books are a safe space, which I really love as well. Um, and it sounds like Kate and waiting is just going to continue that trend.
2: <laughs> that's like my favorite thing ever to hear about my books like that. If, if like my books can feel like a safe space, I feel like that's, that's it. Like that's, that's the goal. Yeah. I always hope for that. Um, obviously, I'm sure it's not gonna be a safe space for everybody and I completely respect that. But um, yeah, I would say that's
1: what I'm aiming for. Since we were already talking about fandoms, I wanted to talk about how you know, you've dealt with sort of the expansion of your sort of readership to fandom because it's two different things. And whenever we have a reader who, um, an author, I'm sorry, who, who has sort of like transitioned to that, like level of like having fandom, which is this like intense thing. We like to ask them about it. Like, what's it like? How, how have things changed for you? Like, what are things that you can't do anymore that you used to if there, if there are any stuff like that?
2: Um, oh my gosh, I handle it so poorly. It is like I'm not <laughs> built for it at all. Um yeah, I guess like part of the thing about like my experience was I, like not everybody remembers this. Like even people who were kind of around in the publishing scene back then don't always remember this, but um Simon wasn't a lead title like at all. Like Simon was very mid list. Um very like supported and beloved, especially like, you know, sort of like an in-house darling, I would say, but um, you know, had some really it was extremely lucky to have some like really fierce advocates like kind of, you know, within HarperCollins and also kind of like in the uh, blogging community and um readers who um like truly made a like measurable difference in kind of people hearing about it. Yeah, like but what that basically looked like was you know, it kind of developed on its own, maybe this, like, kind of cult following, Um, and that was, like, I felt like I was decent at that, you know, because I I really, it's really important to me to be able to, you know, just, like, hold on to, like, authenticity and to, um, I mean, to, A, like, not be an asshole in general, but, like, to not, like, cut myself off from, you know, feeling, um, you know, the gratitude, I guess, um, that I felt in the beginning, and to, I guess just like stay earnest about about everything. It, it gets hard. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I would say that like because the movie pulled in such a bigger audience very suddenly. It was like, you know, it's just like Simon was not set up as a, as a book that was going to be a movie, basically. And so that was incredible in some ways. Like it was just you know, absolutely surreal. I still feel like there are certain aspects of it that I've not finished wrapping my head around. You know, I just, I am unbelievably grateful for that experience. Um, And one of the reasons for that too is like, you know, I realized kind of as I'm working on Kate and Waiting is getting to hang around a movie set and kind of watch all of these people kind of in all of their different roles like behind the scenes and stuff all like collaborate I'm like this is like the closest I've come since high school to like that energy like that theater kid energy you Mm -hmm. know um so it's like that was special and I think that kind of went into Kate and Waiting like that was about when I was writing it yeah I think like you know part of um what's been hard is like first of all I do not have a thick skin. I don't really want to develop a thick skin because I just, like, don't see how I could write the things that I write with a thick skin. Um, Uh You know, it's just, like, so fundamentally who I am is to, like, not have one. And I am, like, an extreme people pleaser, so... You know, in the best of times when everybody's being completely wonderful, like say, you know, in an alternate universe Twitter where everybody's, you know, um, <laughs> that's <It's>, truly alternate. <laughs> yeah, we are the, the Mariah Earth. Carey, we're that
0: Mariah Carey meme where we're like, we don't know her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> but like, it's still, um, you know, I struggled with it because it was like, I used to, get so stressed about like I would want to respond to every single mention I was determined to like not be that person who like got too big for my I mean I still am like I hate the idea of like kind of changing in some way because of like the movie so yeah like so I tried to like first I try to reply to every comment I did at least try to um, like every comment I would sometimes Twitter would like eat my mentions I would Mm -hmm. Literally search my handle. I was careful not to like put the space in between my name, didn't want to like run into any of that, but um I would search my handle to see if there were any mentions I had missed just so I wouldn't like leave anybody out. And it was like hours a day. I was completely depleted. And I never found a way to like make peace with that. I ultimately had to leave Twitter, not because of that. Like, that's not
0: mm-hmm.
2: why I left, but that sort of was the only way to fix it. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I have, I'm like much healthier with Instagram. I'm able to kind of dip in and out, and, and, you know, and I think it's because I kind of went into using Instagram with that boundary already like in my mind, I guess.
1: That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. That, that can be so hard trying to respond to everyone and trying to like sort of balance not, like not forgetting like the people who supported you from the beginning while also like taking care of your mental health and like (laughs) and balancing your time is such a hard sort of like um balance to strike
2: yeah and you know what's interesting too that i didn't necessarily account for is like i very much had the mindset of like, yeah, like not, I don't want to forget the people who have supported me since day one. And, you know, kind of as I um, have more and more books and have like been in the game more and more years, another thing kind of on top of that, that's really important to me, um, that also is like hard to figure out how to like set time boundaries around, but it's, it's so important to me to like also not be closed off to like, you know, all right, these are the people I knew, you know, back in 2015 or whatever, when my debut came out, like, I want to be, you know, like, I want to be connecting with the debuts and like the people, you know, who are, you know, kind of coming up in the community, um, just wherever they are in their process. Obviously, I can't personally connect with every single person but it is important to me to like not be closed off to like you know new friendships and new professional
0: um connections as well no I think that's I think that's really great if being like you are kind of trying to navigate both with like finding a comfort level for yourself of like how involved you are but also like not closing yourself off from new possibilities um which I think is a balance that all of us are struggling with at different levels <laughs> for sure. Um, but remind me, cause you said earlier when we were talking before that um, Twitter was like, when you first got onto Twitter, it was like a terrifying place for you, which totally fair. Um, but did you first go onto Twitter before or after your, you were debuting? I, you know, now like that's, I can't quite remember if
2: it was, um, before or after my book deal, but it was definitely after I had a literary agent and he um sold Simon pretty quickly so um it was there was very little time when I was like you know on Twitter and not kind of existing in that space like as my professional space, you know, mm-hmm. which like I'm thankful every day too that I don't have like you know who knows like what I would have like spewed into the universe like when i was 13 or something like that like just (laughs) like like very grateful to be an exennial sometimes but um, it like probably would have been like you know 13 f atlanta (laughs) my address (laughs) did you ever have like a zanga or a live (laughs) journal oh i had a live journal for a while i was not like um you know, I, I did not, like, heavily use it. I think there was a period of time where my college friends and I, like, had a little group of linked live journals that we used to, like, keep each other updated on our summers or something. But um... Oh, my gosh, it's
0: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, and by the way, fun fact, I went to Wesleyan University as well.
2: Wait, are you serious?
0: Yeah. Which, How did like... I not know this? I I feel that's fine for you not to know. And I think the main reason that I know that you went is because like some like when the movie was coming out, like all of my Wesleyan friends were like, have you heard of this movie Love, Simon? They went to Wesleyan and I was like, oh, I knew about the book before this. (laughs) I was cool before this. I
2: had no idea that. Oh, my God. That makes me so freaking happy. I yeah, I love that. Oh, my
0: gosh. Like, where wait. Did you live in the bus? like I did! I lived in Bud A <laughs> when I was a freshman. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Summerfield's. No, okay. But Summerfield's life forever, obviously. Oh, Although, Summerfield's Forever, yeah. I like honestly, it I I feel like um I randomly run into like people in Kidlet who went to Wesleyan. There's like a small microcosm of us. I don't know if you're aware of this.
2: I'm completely unaware and I want I want
0: all the Intel. And also, Lynn Manuel. Oh yeah, well, uh, we have Lynn. Yes, we do have him. <laughs> we <I'm> claim him. <laughs> delighted by this, though. Like this makes my day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember like there was a moment where you and I had never officially met at the time, um, but I think. I was like before my book came out but like I had sold the book so I was like okay well maybe I have an in with like publishing now and I saw you at an event and I was like I'm gonna go up to Becky and I'm gonna tell her that we both went to Wesleyan because for, for some reason in my mind telling you that we graduated from the same university was the only thing we had in common <laughs> despite like our literal chosen career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, that was my, I was like, this is my end. This is my time. I'm going to tell Becky. But then your like publicist came and ushered you away. And I was like,
1: okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Never
0: mind.
2: <laughs> I would have been so excited. I, I should like make sure that it's very clear to like my entire publishing team that like, if anybody would like to talk to me about, uh Wesleyan about Riverwood High School like, <laughs> like, like we can like let them through let them through.
0: <laughs> like I'll show my old student ID card I'm like look I really want I swear <laughs> um sorry for the tangent I was just like I must tell you now <laughs> um but let's go okay let's go back to like actual questions about your books um <gasps> I had a a question um, kind of about how the Simonverse got created. Um, And I'm really intrigued to know, like, was this an intentional thing? Were you like, I'm going to write multiple books set in this universe? Or was it kind of just like in reaction to the fact that fans wanted more offshoot stories about these characters?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, initially... I completely did not think Simon was going to get published. Like, I just, it was like, I feel like the offer came in and I was like, really? <laughs> but, um, so I, like, there's absolutely no part of me that came into writing it or publishing, thinking that there would be a verse. I did kind of, after writing Simon, I had, you know, the definite feeling that, like, if I were to write a sequel or a spinoff, it would be about Leah because I felt like there was, like, more that I would be interested in exploring about her story. Um, and The Upside of Unrequited, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it kind of, it's exists, like, within the Simonverse, and it's also a little bit outside of it because it's not the same cast of characters or high school um and I think like, you know, just anchoring that to Simon with the Simon characters like that helps sort of position it in my head, you know, because I I was a mess, right Like I was completely lost writing that I rewrote that book like seven times um, with a million different plots. every plot you can think of half of them are TV shows now like which <laughs> plot uh, had a one that was basically the plot of sex education um. And it was just like, I, you know, and those are, I think, fantastic plots. I just think like I wasn't nailing it, you know, and um, like seven of those. like, So it really helped me to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, like this is, this is Abby's cousin, you know, and we'll start there. Yeah, I don't know if that was just an extreme form of second book syndrome, or you know something about that book in particular and like what it tapped into. But that was,
0: that was still the hardest book to write so far. I I feel you. I feel like if, when people second book is not a direct sequel to their first book, I can imagine that there's a lot of like, oh no, how am I going to retain? my readership, because this is something completely different. I'm immediately doing something completely different. Like, that's how I would have felt. I feel really lucky that I wrote a duology first, because I would have spiraled so hard. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, you know, I, I had never considered like writing a duology. So I didn't even like think about that. I I know that like, I still feel that anxiety so much. I think it would have been really hard you know, if that second book was something, like, super different, like, luckily, it was still very much, like, you know, first person, contemporary YA, and some people do that, and they pull it off, like, so brilliantly, and I'm in awe, Um, but I'm, like, yeah, like, Kate being my first uh, solo book, I guess, outside the Simonverse, my first solo book in several years, Love Creekwood was a little bit of a, like, different situation, but, like, yeah, I'm, very nervous that, like, my audience, you know, isn't going to follow me there, I guess. Like, that it's, um, you know, like, you always feel like, like, what if, you know, people just want me to keep rewriting Simon? Mm-hmm.
0: That's, yeah, I feel, well, Claribel and I, we talked about this very recently, and, and our our feelings about it are definitely, ref- very much rooted in the like we're trying to figure out how to be an author in the first place. Still. <laughs> like how does yeah. this how, how does this work? Like where's the instruction manual? But like that whole f- I I think it's kind of it's interesting to hear you say that you're still grappling with it. You know how many ever many books in? I'm gonna count one two three four. I don't know like five six five A books. Lot. In um it's like six and a half i don't know <laughs> yeah but I, like I, I it's so interesting because i literally said earlier in this episode like it's great that you say that because our baby listeners and here i am being like thank you for saying that becky because <laughs> it's such a fear it's like okay you liked me for this one thing that i did will you continue to like me yeah Wait, right. it's no
2: and it's like you know and then you can really like you know get in your head about it too like it affects my like the choices that I make when I'm writing you know and it's just like oh my gosh you know just even the fact that you know I'm very aware that you know the books um of mine that people are most likely to know about are the ones about gay teen boys you know and to the point where I have been asked like oh like I still like I like still have nightmares about this moment like being in a huge event with Adam for What If It's Us. And, you know, it's just like tons of people. And somebody stands up during the Q&A and they ask me why do I only write books about gay teen boys? And I'm like, the despair that I felt. It was like, Leah on the offbeat hit number one on the New York Times list this year. Uh Like, I'm just like... Like I don't, you know,
0: it's just like yeah. you just haven't heard of them. Um, you just haven't heard of my girls, you know? Yeah, which is kind of annoying because, like, even if all they heard about was Simon and what if it's us, like, two is not a pattern. <laughs> like scientifically, it's not. <laughs> so, like, let it go. <laughs> like, let it go. Give us room to breathe and grow as people. Um, no, but I, I do, I do get that it's hard to be so well-known for one specific thing and trying to be like, I also do this over here, look at me. Um, (laughs) I can imagine that that's that's really difficult. Um, But at the same time, I mean, I will say like, as as someone who has read, now I have to count again, one, two, three, four, four four and a half. (laughs) I'm gonna be. I say totally four and a half because I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of reading. No, yes, no, maybe so. Right now, um, of your books, it, what I really liked about them. This is gonna be another thing where I hope I don't embarrass you again. Um, but what I did really like about them wasn't necessarily like the consistency of like characters I recognize, but that even when I was reading your co-written book with Adam, and even now writing reading yes, no, maybe so, your voice is very much a Becky Albert. Tally voice and it's comforting like that's what people I imagine like about their favorite authors is that I can tell that you wrote this book and that's what I wanted
2: (laughs) that's such a nice thing thank you so
0: much I yeah I hope so I mean
2: I feel that way about authors you know I yeah I guess I just like I don't know I, I think like for me it's also tied up in everything that happened kind of um, last year, August and September, um, you know, when I published an essay on Medium talking about, I used to, when I talked about Simon, like, the character Simon, I used to tell people, I'm, like, he's actually really a lot like me. The biggest difference between us is I'm much more self-aware than him, and, like, that turned out not to be true at all, (laughs) like, you know, and I, you know, managed to write several books in this space. I managed to live, several decades and like you know figuring things out about just my own identity like a little bit a little bit later than would have um been ideal just given kind of some of the community dynamics and uh, and I think that is tricky and it's always going to be um a part of kind of my relationship to my books and you know and just the way um you know people perceive my books it's like it it really is you know like a complicated um thing that continues to to like play out in different and interesting and sometimes productive ways like in my writing too
0: mhm for sure. And writing can so often be a therapeutic tool for authors as well. I definitely have discovered things about myself and my identity um, and embraced parts of my identity through my writing first before as well. What would you do if the world's biggest K pop idol asked you to prom? Elena Sue and Robbie Choi used to be inseparable until he moved back to South Korea with his family. But before he left, he promised to come back and take Elena to prom. Seven years later, Robbie is part of the biggest K-pop group in the world, and Elena wouldn't be caught dead at prom, which makes it all the more surreal when Robbie shows up on her doorstep to keep that long ago promise. And now Elena doesn't know what's worse the hate she's getting from Robbie's fans, or the fact that she thinks she's falling for him. From the author of the internationally best selling Gumiho duology Comes Once Upon a K-Prom. A hilarious and heartfelt rom com that brings the glamour and drama of the K pop world straight to high school.
1: Okay. Um oh. Did we lose you? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> here. <laughs> my my chair it has been really weird lately and it, it just, like, keeps moving backwards for no reason. It's like and then I have to, like, struggle. Son. I have to, like, struggle. I think, you know what it is. I think it's because I just spent, like, a solid two months in this thing every day for, like, ten hours while I try to finish Witchlings and now the chair's like, get off and go yeah. watch some K-dramas.
0: <laughs> the chair's like, I'm tired
1: of holding your butt. <laughs> get out of
0: here.
1: Uh. <laughs> Um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Becky, so how you have both film and TV adaptations of your book. So could you talk a little bit about what that's like and like what the differences are between the two?
2: Yeah, although I guess like, you know, it's um I would definitely not say that I have a TV adaptation yet of any um like you know I, I wouldn't call Love Victor an adaptation of one of my books. So it's yeah, it's more of a like spin-off in the same universe, um, which makes that I think really different in the sense that um, you know, I like I adore I actually fiercely love Love Victor um as a fan. I kind of feel like I'm like a big name fan maybe, but you know, not like <laughs> um like I'm just like that fan who has like just been so uh such a frequent flyer you know and everybody's mentions from the beginning that I get <laughs> associated with that um but it's not actually um my story I love the story um but <clears throat> yeah I love Simon um you know I that's somewhere in between like it's it is like a completely different version of my story, which is something that really excites me. Like, I I like that about an adaptation. I didn't need it to be kind of, um, you know, scene by scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of Love, Simon. Um, that one is like, you know, a little bit um, more surreal, I guess. Like, it's just, it, you know, it is like more bizarre to be like sitting in a room with like actors <laughs> who are playing like
1: people who were in your <laughs> yeah that's got to be so strange yeah,
0: yeah. it's I, I think it's so I think the movie did a really good job of like being its own thing but also like having the heart that was the point of the book in the first place the scene where the dad can't stop crying And he's like dad don't cry and he's like i'm trying (laughs) so good it was so well done (laughs) um but yeah like that's that's so cool i'm i'm so happy for you that you got to have that experience especially for a book like love simon that like seems like a quieter book and like in terms of the plot was like just more of a book of the heart kind of a thing because I feel like those books need to get spoken about more like and given more attention. Maybe that's what I mean. I just feel like sometimes we just want a sweet book where people fall in love and make mistakes and are goofy and we're not giving you a huge life lesson. We're just like having fun. <laughs> and those should get just as much attention as like an issue book or like a high epic fantasy or whatever.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I love kind of, I mean, I would say I mostly read books that are more, like, um, rom-com, like, realistic, and a lot of that is just, like, the logistics of publishing. Like, a lot of times I'm reading a book for blurb or something um, or reading a book because I'm, you know, doing some kind of, like, in conversation and, like, moderating moderating somebody's book launch. And then, um, you know, when I have the chance to dive into like a different genre that ends up being really exciting for me too. Like recently reading um, infinity reaper was Mm. really fun as well, because I think like, you know, a lot of the themes um, between fantasy and contemporary, you know, can be really similar and just told in such different ways. Um, Obviously
0: not always, but I love that. I forget that every time yeah well i i think it's like they're human themes so they will definitely overlap it's just that in fantasy we can use like magic and dragons and stuff to get the point
1: across yeah i feel (laughs) weird when i can't use magic like my graphic (laughs) novel doesn't have magic and i'm like but what about a spell (laughs) just fix it
0: with with your magic (laughs) i'm going i'm going through that right now because my next book is a rom-com is it like a k-pop (laughs) rom-com i'm super excited actually because like I'm I'm trying to write it like it's a literal like high school K drama. I'm like this is everything I've ever Can't. wanted to do. But wait. I also am already like, Well, how do I talk about it? Because like it's it's not supposed to symbolize anything. Like my last book was like based on Korean mythology and it was like there was all these metaphors for like my struggle <laughs> and stuff. And this one is like, No, she just like falls in love with her childhood best friend who became a K pop star. That's duh, it.
1: that's how you talk oh, about it.
0: Oh. <laughs> Like, that's uh, perfect. Oh, oh good. I'm glad I worked this out with you guys in podcast therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm like, I'm like, I
0: I have nothing to add. Like I just think like, yeah, like, that's I did work. it. Uh, <laughs> um we actually had two listener questions that were very similar, so I'm gonna combine them um, for you, Becky. They both wanted to kind of know about what your day-to-day writing routine looks like i also Um, want to know that yeah and then one of them kind of expanded upon it being like now that you're a little bit further on in your career like how do you choose your next project um and then the last question sorry this is a three-part question is to ask if you have ever thought of writing in a completely different genre which i realize now kind of relates to what we were just talking about and it was totally on purpose
2: (laughs) i okay we like so these um Well, the first question, I guess, is, like, my day-to-day. It looks a little different this year, I would say, because, you know, right now my kids have been in virtual school for, like, over a year, uh, home all the time. (laughs) We are always home. So the way, like, that has kind of played out just in terms of, like, our family schedule is... Um my husband and I split the days. so we each have a couple of days where we work and you know like two and a half days where we work and two and a half days where we are on duty with the kids. I would say it is it, sometimes manageable but usually really it's it's really hard like both of us like every spare second whenever the other ones with the kids like we're catching up on work you know we are like working within the margins of every day it's a also like a massive gift that we both are able to like work from home with flexible schedules like that is privilege on top of privilege on top of like luck you know for me like I guess other than author and the sort of third grade teacher, kindergarten teacher, um, like I, you know, I don't have a day job on top of that and that's rare and lucky, you know? So basically my, uh, other than those like, um, you know, two and a half days, which, you know, I do have a little bit more, um, space to kind of like sit down and, you know, try to actually write if I can, a lot of my day-to-day just looks like sneaking in uh, writing time or work time whenever I can. Um, okay, wait. So the next part of that was... Oh, like, how you choose your next project. Yeah. I. So how do I choose my next project? I am one of those authors who does not have a lot of ideas usually, and I... Um, I always feel like the book that I'm currently working on is the last idea I will ever have. So, so far, the way I've like chosen my next one for the most part, it's a little different with the collaborations because that involves some like coordination with other people, you know, but in terms of solo books, it's like, if I can like finish one book and have like a little bit of an idea by the end of it, like, you know, just the thought that I might be able to like write another one, then like that's going to have to be the one. (laughs) Like, um, Yeah, like it's almost like I'm picking from one choice always. (laughs) Like sometimes (laughs) zero choices.
0: I think that's fair and valid. I think that there's going to be some people who are like, oh, thank God, because that's me too.
1: (laughs) Also, your ideas are great, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Becky, you have to answer if uh, you've ever
0: thought of writing in a completely different genre. Oh yeah, in a completely different genre, Um, I mean, I've like
2: thought about it, but I don't, but not seriously. (laughs) Like I, um, I have seriously thought about like different age categories and that's something I could see myself doing, but um, I, um, I do not feel like I have the skill set right now to um, effectively world build. And I think you know, that would definitely uh, cause a problem if I tried to write (laughs) speculative and especially fantasy. (laughs) So yeah, like it's it's almost like my books, I guess there's like a certain element of contemporary world building, but even then I have to like ground my settings like very closely in like real places. And, you know, I'm like looking for the exact you know, Google Maps directions like between <laughs> and everything. So yeah, it would take yeah, it it would signal a ton of personal growth if you ever saw me write a fantasy, you know? Like, cause that's just to me, that's just unbelievably creative. Like I just I'm kind of uh in awe of
0: y'all <laughs> yeah. I don't know how good my world building is. I'm literally like, what's the coolest thing that I've always wanted to see happen?
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I feel like it's, I think everybody, I think this always happens where fantasy writers always think it's harder to write contemporary and contemporary writers always think it's harder to write fantasy and i think they're both really challenging it's just like whatever your brain adapts to the most and what you're used to and then there are like the literal demons who can do both yeah
0: and we we despise them (laughs) those (laughs) demons
1: yeah (laughs) trying to make us all look bad cat that's about to be you so (laughs) um there's no guarantee that my next book is gonna be good it's gonna be so good i i I can feel it. Well, um, I'll just talk
0: a lot about how hard it was so
1: that people know that I struggled. <laughs> but now they're going to know that was just a ploy because you admitted it on Darn the podcast. It. Okay. Cat, be better at planning your
0: trickery. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so bad at tricking people, but Claribel's really good at
1: tricking me, so. Mm-hmm. We balance each other out. <laughs> um, okay, so we have one more question and it's uh do you have any funny or fun behind the scenes stories from Love Simon?
2: Yeah, let's see. Uh, Love Simon, I mean, uh that was like I I loved visiting the set. Like I just um there were so many moments that um you know, I just could not even process until like months later. I just almost had to like sit with them months later to be like, that happened, <laughs> you know. But um, I think like one of my favorite ones will always be the day that Angie Thomas visited the set with me. And that happened to be like the first time Jennifer Garner had ever like at least been there at the same time as me. Like I, I can't remember if it was her first day on set or just the first day we overlapped, but you know, I was like an absolute wreck. Like <laughs> I always got, like a total hot mess. Um, Angie is like cool as a cucumber. You know, like internally hot mess, but she's like just a star. You know, and yeah, she's like introduce yourself, introduce yourself. So, oh, I, Angie. <laughs> and Jennifer Garner turns out to be the absolute like, sweetest, like, nicest person. Like, she is, like, at least, you know, in my experience with her, she is, like, exactly who you would want her to be. Like, and, you know, she is, like, like that that Jennifer Garner scene in Love, Simon, she's the one, she wanted that added um, because she, like, wanted to have that out in the world, like, with her voice saying it. <laughs> like She's just, like, she's very good and pure. And so she was uh, asking this question, and she had asked, you know, was asking... Angie about the Hate You Give, um, which was in development at the time. Um, and she was like, Oh my gosh, well, let me know. Like, let me know if you need me to play the mom. And I think, like, the look on Angie's face, like, in that moment is like not only my favorite Love Simon memory, but just like the highlight of my existence. Like, I just like, just like, like Angie Thomas, who is a, an absolute Angel, sweetheart, like <laughs> trying to figure out how to like not hurt Jennifer Garner's
1: feelings. The role of Lisa Carter in the game. I love, I love Jennifer Garner feeling. Like, Let me know if you. Want it. <laughs> like, that you is know. so. It's so funny and great. Like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like uh, yeah, and just
2: to be clear too, so we don't cancel Jennifer Garner. Like Jennifer Garner was not asking for the hate you give to be whitewashed.
1: She did not. No. Know. <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know exactly. Yeah.
0: She's just doing shop talk. Just doing shop talk. She's like, oh, you have a movie. <laughs> 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 oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like she probably dealt with that way better than I'm going to speak for you, claribel but better than claribel or I would have. To be
1: honest. Nah, I would have been fine. You would have I think you your face would what? have been red. I'm really good at pretending that I'm okay <laughs> when I'm freaking out. I'm really good at it. Like when it comes to like being starstruck, like I'm very good at pretending that like it's all good and then I'll just like go in the bathroom and cry after. <laughs> 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 Kat, would... your face gets red, so My you face have no gets escape.
0: So red. And and the worst thing is that like I am such a huge fan of authors and have been ever since I was young so that like I'm at a book event with like people that I'm supposed to treat like my professional peers and I'm just like beet red being like oh god how was your panel (laughs) like
2: literally me too yeah I'm like (laughs) that and also my other thing too in addition to the like beet red is I lose the ability to speak like it was just like it was like the the first like three or four times I met poor David Levithan, like, you know, it was just like, I'm like, I need a minute. I'm like standing in front of him, like at a book mm. festival we're We're both like authors theoretically, you know, but um, like he's like King David Levithan. and I'm like, you know, just like my voice stopped working. Um, there's nothing to be done about it other than just try again next time. <laughs> I
1: well, love that. That's so cute.
0: I feel like it just make it just shows that you're human.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's- and like we, we, we get starstruck over other authors that we admire, like more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like such a, it's, 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 it's important to us. Like books are our world. So mm-hmm. I, I get that. I get being scared. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I do freak out. I'm just good at hiding it. Um. <laughs> that being said I, d- right. I did I was not going to go up to Lee Bardugo and Norma pushed me in her path Um, <laughs> so she forced me to say hello to her and that's the only reason why I met her Um, that's
0: what you made me do <laughs> this is going to sound so embarrassing now after the fact because he's like a normal person mostly to me now but that's what you made me do to Daniel Jose Older
1: when I was yeah, like that, that was really bad <laughs> I got I was so like- red <laughs> I was like, Daniel, cat's too embarrassed to say hi to you, but she loves you. <laughs> yeah, the way you
0: introduced me to him. Why would you do that to me? And he was like, I loved him.
1: He was like, "Why'd you throw your friend under the bus?" I was like, "That's what I do." <laughs> I'm glad he took
0: my side. Daniel's good. Get, Daniel's good to his fans, but now you have a story. You're welcome. Ugh, I- I never asked for this story, Claraball. Anyway, okay, let's. Do- also
2: have such good taste in authors, too. Right? The, the yeah, y'all are standing out over. <laughs> we
0: we try to be discerning. Um, so we made up a game we wanted to play with you, Becky, because <laughs> we thought it would be fun, and it's called Battle of the Main Characters. So oh, sounds good. Okay. Yes. So out of your main characters, and for people listening, we'll list them out. It's Simon, Molly, Leah, Arthur, Jamie, and Kate. We're going to ask you most likely questions, and you have to say which main character is most likely to do it, okay? Okay. All right. First question. Who's the most likely to bake bread? Molly.
1: <laughs> that was so – that was, so like, cool. automatic. <laughs> um, have, oh, wait. Have you seen the show The Circle? Um yes. I okay. Sh- okay. Most likely to win the circle. Oh. Um, most likely huh, to
2: win the circle. I would say well, maybe Jamie because he would be so underestimated. Um, mm-hmm. but ultimately Leah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like Leah would be like, come from behind winner, be like, where did you even come from? <laughs> <laughs> okay who is the most likely to be awesome at tiktok oh um awesome at tiktok maybe kate actually i think i was thinking that because of theater yeah yeah i think think it'd be
1: kate um most likely to start their own podcast
2: oh probably arthur (laughs) oh interesting You'd have to listen to it though, like
0: slowed down. Not <laughs> <laughs> like, so fast. Um, okay, who's the most likely to be a fan of true crime, aka a murderino? Oh,
1: Leah. <laughs> yes, Leah's my girl. <laughs> uh, most likely to believe in ghosts. Simon. Oh yeah. I, love the, I love the quick ones. I love cause the quick ones because it's like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Most likely to go skydiving.
1: None of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Me, Mood. (laughs) Most likely to get recognized by the Guinness World Record.
2: Oh, um,
1: huh. I would say, um... Oh
2: gosh, whichever one it is, it would not be for any classy reason. Probably <laughs> Simon, and it's gonna have to do with like amount of Oreos consumed or
0: um, <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> most likely to get away with murder. Jamie, I mean, if he was if he was gonna
1: murder someone, he's most likely to get away with it. <laughs> um, and then last one, most likely to be on or have a reality show. Huh. I would say, I would say Simon. can
2: oh, like, yeah. see Simon. <laughs> okay. Yay!
0: Yay! That's... Thank you for playing our weird game with us. <laughs> Best game I've ever played.
1: <laughs> okay, Becky. So everyone who's on the podcast tells us their most embarrassing publishing-related story or something they wish they'd known before they started. You can do either or. You can do both. It's up to you.
2: I know. I, like, I have, um... Just a lot of embarrassing stories to choose from. Um, it, I feel like you know one of the one of the stories that I think I don't often um, talk about that is legitimately like is legitimately truly embarrassing to me, not cute embarrassing, um, like horrifying, um, and it's something that is like happened to me more than once because I never learn. I I would say it's you know the time when you walk into a bookstore this happens to baby authors, but it also happens when you're no longer a baby author. Um, and you ask if you can sign your book on the shelf and they say no, <laughs> or, they, or they ask why and- uh... <laughs> Why? They have what? asked you that? They have that? Oh, I had like, once I walked into, I, I don't, I'm not gonna name the store. I don't wanna throw it under the bus. It's like one of my favorite stores in the entire world. Yeah, it was my first time seeing one of my books on the shelf in that particular store, which meant a lot to me. Um, Oh my, this is probably so obvious, like, which store it is, but, like, and so I, like, shyly and proudly brought the book up to the, like, you know, teenager, young person, like, who was kind of working in that area of the store, and I asked, I was like, I wrote this book, is it okay if I sign it? And so he gets on the walkie talkie to ask his manager if it's okay. And so the person who asked, who said why, was actually the manager through the walkie talkie. And I'm standing there next to this poor kid. And she's like, she's like, no, why would she do that? Like, And I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I. Like I'm never coming after <laughs> ever. I like I was back there that afternoon because
0: of the nature of the store and its role in my life. But, like... well, I know that you would never feel this way because you're such a kind person. But I just want to say that I wonder if that manager, like later, heard about like your movie and like how big you were and was like, "Oh my god!" I said no to that post person. Movie. It was post movie.
2: It was post-movie oh yeah 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 like Persons. i think
0: or you know at least
2: po- the movie was like in the works it, the movie would have been in the works at the time so
1: it's um, i'm i feel like that is they should be embarrassed and not you because if you're working at a bookstore you should know that that kind of stuff happens and like mm-hmm. asking why is very strange <laughs> it's like why so you can sell more copies of the book so it'll be signed hello yeah.
2: <laughs> get also, with the program
0: like, like what answer were they expecting Too, like oh i'm gonna ask why because i bet they're gonna say this like what what
2: like I, I have no idea. Like, what could I have said? Yeah, like just because, like, because uh, authors do that sometimes. Like, I don't know. Like, because it's like a tradition. I guess. Like, yeah. I like why do we sign? Like,
0: um, I don't know. So interesting. I'm sorry that happened to you, but like, I feel you because it took me a really, really long time to be able to ask if I could sign my own book outside of a book event. And I got car. I got ID'd once. <laughs> that oh, was fun. Well. They wanted me to prove I wrote. I wrote. <laughs> <Not> the <that> back
1: cover <laughs> like, i don't know um why would a random person come into a bookstore and be like can i sign this book and it's like not like you know what i mean yeah like, well then i asked that? i did i asked them because they weren't
0: rude about it necessarily they're like oh it's like our store policy to ask for id and i was like interesting and so i showed it to them and they were Professional and polite about it, and then I said, "Is it sort of policy because some people try to sign random books?" Like I really was
2: curious. <laughs> that's a weird crime. Like that's a, a crime with no reward. I don't really
0: see it. <laughs> <laughs> like watch me sign all of these like you know David Levithan books. <laughs>
2: like why? name, <laughs> like because you know, like we're sitting there asking to like sign our own names in
1: it. So somebody to get away with it would have to sign our names. Um, yeah. Witch. that would be so strange imagine you went to a bookstore and it's like can i sign my book and they're like sure and then you open it and it's like a some a stranger's <laughs> signature
0: <laughs> the beginning of a horror story <laughs> like just uh, someone right? trying to single white <laughs> exactly. female you bingo
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness um sorry i interrupted you becky did you have more that you wanted to of the story
2: oh, there's just, like, variations on that theme. Like, like, it was, like, way after the movie was already out and stuff. I think this is like, there was literally, like, a box set. You know, this was, like, a chain bookstore that I walked into and, like, asked the question. And these are not the only times I've asked. Like, and I will, I just want to shout out um, my local indies. I've never had this happen in an indie bookstore, which is why I love indies. I mean, among the reasons I love indies. But, um... And I love chain bookstores, too. And this was, like, unusual. This does not usually happen to me in chain bookstores either. But they had a massive shelf of my books. It was, like, at the time when, like, people were excited about picking them up after the movie and everything. Like, it was, like, during that period. You know, and I was there shopping with my kids for... um you know like holidays were coming up or something and so my kids were like watching all of this unfold um and they were just like you know I was like I was like yeah I um you know I wrote all these books it was you know it was like movie tie-in and everything like that and there's like a store employee who like bless him also like not as well you know but he was like trying to help me out so he's like carrying this like copy of simon like all around the store asking all of these people and like there are other shoppers watching all of this be like um she's wondering if she can uh sign this book and everybody's like oh we'll we'll have to check with corporate and um it oh and my I was god just like, oh my god don't make it a thing don't make it. i'm like it's okay and they're like no, no no we just need to check um and then finally i just was like Okay guys, like let's uh why don't we go ahead and we're gonna uh put these things down because I think uh mommy wants to take you home now. We're not gonna uh we're not gonna make these purchases now because mommy's gonna go needs to cry in the
0: car. <laughs> you know, like,
1: just like,
2: why do they have to make it such a thing? Yeah, you know, like it's the worst. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> just like I stand by the fact that like you know, if you think an author is Famous that does not translate to the real world. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I will say, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, it's like the it's like being on like the book con floor is very different than being like out in the world in the, sh- in, the, the, streets, you the know? Sh- in the streets in the streets.
0: It sounds so seedy, like we're peddling our books. Like, hey, kid, you want to read an adult novel? <laughs> um, Anyway, yeah, If well, Becky, if you want, ever want, like, to call us when this happens and be like, here, talk to my representatives, and we will be like, do you know who you're talking to? That is a whole Becky Albertalli. You will retreat her with respect, then we will do that for you.
2: This is incredible. And also, like, not only do we need to have this moment, but we need to record it for the pod.
0: <laughs> yes. Or, or alternatively... Claribel and I will dress up in really cool like pantsuits and just follow you around at every bookstore you ask to sign books at. And then we'll be like, <laughs> we'll just <laughs> like does. hold up
1: an iPad with yeah. like your IMBD page and be like, you were saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. Well, the best thing too is like the middle part of this whole like just this adventure where we run into the bathroom and then quickly change. Into leg who's wearing the author civilian
1: clothes and then do it all over (laughs) yeah amazing I didn't even think about switching uh, places but that makes it even funnier yes
0: and the best part is that when they are suspicious we act totally chill we're like what are you talking about we were not just in here what do you I don't understand like are you okay we're just asking if this famous author can sign their book
2: <laughs> just, me revenge that um that i like i mean i just i can't think of any other way to address the situation that would, like restore my dignity um uh, <laughs> heal me from the wounds of
0: of um bookstore b- b- bad bookstore encounters <laughs> I, yeah, and you know, honestly, too, it's like, especially at bookstores, you're not necessarily expecting to come up a cra- against like, like such off-putting experiences because 99.9% of people who work at bookstores are the most lovely human beings in the entire universe. So you're just like, I'm going to go be with like my people and like everyone's so chill and I love bookstores and booksellers are the best. So like if someone is ever like, not nice, you're like, I don't get it. <laughs>
2: It's true, it's, and it is like, and I definitely am like, oh my gosh! I just probably scared every newer author from like this rite of passage. Um, that is nah, not don't be scared, guys. experience, and those are very. <laughs> they were both very like corporatized kind of places. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it has never happened to me in like a real like book story kind of indie bookstore.
0: That's mm-hmm. like,
2: yeah, it's. Um, it's very rare for that to even have happened like in the chain bookstores.
0: Yeah, but we do love indie bookstores.
1: Hashtag support indie bookstores.
2: (laughs) Real though,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) So Becky, thank you so 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 much for coming on the show. Um, Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet?
2: Yeah, I am mostly on Instagram um, at Becky Albertalli um, and I run that myself. Um, I also have a twitter um, that's also at becky albertali but my assistant runs that i believe technically i have like other platforms like maybe a tumblr somewhere and a like facebook that are probably also becky albertali but um if you want the one that's really me that would be uh, instagram
1: and we'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes. And Caden um, Whitting is out April 20th. Uh, I'm not sure when this is airing. Kat knows when it will it, be <laughs> Only up, I me. have the schedule.
0: No, it's going to, this episode will go up the day before your release
1: the day before okay perfect so everybody tomorrow go buy the prerequisite 20 copies Mm -hmm. of Uh becky uh, Becky albertali's new book kate in waiting and if you don't you know what happens the podcast stops coming to your house um so we control what earphones they go into we just have a lot of power because my birthday is the same day as steve jobs so um (laughs) So make sure you go pick it up. And Becky, thanks again. It was a blast talking to you.
2: I, yeah, I could do this all day. This is so much fun. Um,
0: I love being on this. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for listening to Write
1: or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Cat Cho.
0: And Go Squad by Claribel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies.
1: And don't forget to spread the word.